This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to the Media Week Podcast. My name's James Manning from Media Week. I'm with Crudy Joshi, the Deputy Editor of Media Week. We're in at News Corp today with Sarah Lamarquand. Sarah, welcome. Now, you've got a new role, Editor-in-Chief of Stella. Yes, and finally people are going to know what that means. <laughs> uh, I think everyone understands what Editor-in-Chief means, but what is Stella, apart from um, being something that prompts us all to do good Marlon Prando impersonation? <laughs> Stella! Um, Stella is uh, not just a famous uh, punchline in a film. It is uh, a magazine that's launching on Sunday, August 28th in the three Sunday uh, News Corp papers along the eastern seaboard. So the Sunday Telegraph in New South Wales, the Sunday Herald Sun in Victoria and the Sunday Mail in Queensland. First time ever a glossy magazine's gone into Queensland. So very exciting and huge reach. Yeah. Now, if I'm right, this sort of takes you back to magazines... Where you sort of worked earlier on in your career, right? Yes. Actually, it very much is bringing me um, full circle. I did. I started in magazines uh, in 2000 and worked there for a few years and then started at News Corp in 2005. Um, James, that's when you and I first met (laughs) because I was the TV writer for the Daily Telegraph and, you know, was out there on... um, some of the TV show and, and media circuit, and then uh, worked through various roles at News Corp over the following years. I became the film editor and eventually the features editor for the Daily Telegraph. Um, and then I went on maternity leave. Um, and when I came back, started over as a columnist. So moved then into uh, six years in, in opinion where I w- was doing columns and then became the opinion editor for the Daily Telegraph, and then uh, started Rendezvous, the opinion site. And that's right, now with Stella, I've come back to where it all began, which is um, magazines, but of course a magazine inside newspapers. So it's sort of the perfect culmination, I suppose, of those two worlds, magazines and newspapers, and they coexist in Stella. Stella obviously replaces Sunday Star, which had a huge following, you know, a huge market brand name. So what sort of, what's the pressure like in terms of your launch issue? Because, you know, some of the readers will obviously be mourning the loss of Sunday Star that they've so been used to. I was a columnist with Sunday Style from when it first launched in March 2013 when Kerry McCullum launched it for News Corp. So I've been part of the fabric of Sunday Style. I have great affection and love for Sunday Style, good relationship with the team there. So um, I I completely uh, am comfortable that all the people that love Sunday Style will find things that they love in Stella because it's the same great creative team, the same creative director, great art team Um, you've seen some of the layouts you can see it's a beautiful looking magazine very ambitious shoots, great fashion team, so we'll be doing all of our own fashion shoots in Stella magazine across four pages uh, plus a, a, a uh, flat lay fashion page and then we've got our same beauty director Cleo Glide so all of that beauty and glamour and great lifestyle content that was in Sunday Style will all be there in, St- in Stella it's just that Stella is um, more substantial in terms of its features it's got some longer reads which I think is something that a lot of um, the magazine inserts in the newspapers are sometimes lacking. So we're trying to really fill that niche, which is taking all of that beauty and 
and, and Aspiration wonderful images and high production value. So it's a very premium product, but with those really solid reads that really, um, you know, are best provided by uh, experienced newspaper writers and very fortunate to have a lot of those on board contributing to Stella. She's doing a good job of selling this one. <laughs> I can't wait a, a week, but, but I just want to jump in and ask. I feel obliged to ask. If this was a, if the old one was a good brand, mm. um, were you involved in discussions at all? Look, could we keep the brand and just supercharge it, or just start afresh? Now, my involvement with um, Stella, uh, I started there on July four. So for me, uh, I had, was told that the company had really decided to really gun up its investment in the Sunday product. So obviously, you would be aware that there's been some talk about that at News Corp this year mm -hmm. that they uh, rebranded Body and Soul earlier this year. Then there was the relaunch of Escape.com.au, and it's all been building to uh, Stella. So this is the biggest launch of the year for for News. Corp Australia. A little, a little bit of pressure there. I'll admit, it's just a tiny <laughs> bit of pressure. Right? Um, but it, it actually isn't a relaunch. It really is a whole new product. And going into Queensland is a big shift as well, because like I say, it is the first time a glossy magazine's gone in there. There's a lot of excitement in Queensland. We're having a launch up in Brisbane on, on August 30, and I'll be going up to that. So um, obviously we're working very closely with the Queensland team. So it really is its own new magazine, and obviously there have been different incarnations of the Sunday magazine in the past, but we just see this as stellar. It's, it really is the launch of, of a new era for, for that team and for the readers, and so I think it's got all the best of what came before it. Uh, like I say, you know, it won't be too much of a, a, a cultural shift for the people that were wedded to it, but obviously we'd be hoping that a lot more eyeballs will come to Stella than would have on a Sunday supplement in the past. And certainly in terms of demographic, it will be still appealing to women. It's an all-female team except for our uh, token male, our, our <laughs> photo editor. We let some guys in the building. Um, but... You can see from the first issue some of the people that we've got in. For instance, our Q&A, which is a really prominent two pages up the front, is with Daniel Ricciardo. So, and we will be having a lot of famous sportsmen and uh, high-profile male Australians playing quite a, a critical role in the first few issues and moving forward, and we have male contributors. So it will be uh, a, a more broad demographic that certainly is a lot more appealing to men. Um, so I spoke to Nick Smith, the publisher of Stella, earlier in the year, and I, in, throughout that article in Media Week, I kept on saying it was a relaunch. Now, listening to you, I think that might have been a very loose use of the term. But having said that, with Sunday Style, it, it is seizing publication, and essentially News Corp is launching a new brand. Mm. So in terms of the tone of the magazine, what's different about that? So first of all, it is a much more mass title and the, the demographic is, is very broad. So the demographic is 25 through to 54. Uh, so obviously Sunday Style was a very... A yeah, a little older. That's right, James. And um, Sunday Style did skew uh, a little younger, a little more uh, female in um, the, the point that it was uh, potentially alienating to men. It was something that women would die for in the paper, but their uh, other half wouldn't necessarily be grabbing it for them. We've certainly seen 
the men that have seen the, the cover of the issue that will be in the paper this Sunday, uh, that they've certainly grabbed it themselves as well, uh, not just because of the pretty women, but because there is content that talks to them. So it is certainly uh, a much more mass market title than Sunday Style was. Um, but again, like I say, we're still trying to maintain all of those really, that premium feel and, and the high production lifestyle values. Um, so it will be replicated again by really utilising that great talent. So again, I've obviously worked on, in the newspaper culture here for 11 years and there's great people across all of the titles, you know, Jordan Baker uh, and Angela Mollard, Andrew Rule, Francis Whiting. There's a lot of talent from the Mastheads to be tapped into in the magazine, really good feature writers, uh, you know, reporters that we can tap for a one-off like, that are doing around, you know, Jessica Halloran, for instance, uh, you know, I would say probably one of the best sports writers in all of Australia. She's done some great work uh, for her role in the Daily and Sunday Telegraph. She did a lot of work for me at Rendezvous. She was actually nominated for the inaugural Women's Leadership Award for the Walkleys this year for a series of work that she did for Rendezvous and she's someone that is already working on some really solid features for us at Stella. So I think it's going to have uh, some of that masthead uh, meat to it and that real substance and weight and that obviously is um, a departure from where it's been in the past. The, the old one had a little bit of hipster about it too. It was a bit, you know, it was <laughs> yeah. very Surrey Hills, yes. very Fitzroy maybe, you know. That's well, right. Let's try to reach out a bit to maybe viewers yeah. outside the inner I city. Think, I well. think it's fair to say this would definitely be um, less hipster. I've been called many things. <laughs> um, I don't know that hip has ever been one of them. I, I, it certainly will still be beautiful. We want you to read it and feel transported in the way that... that I think that's the point of a magazine, isn't it? Uh, you want... I mean, I'm a big magazine reader. I subscribe to, um, you know, eight or nine magazines from around the world and always have a big pile on the coffee table at home. So there is... You want to get wrapped up in the, 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 the photography and the fashion and all of those beautiful spreads. So that I think that's absolutely integral to any sort of magazine, certainly very much at the core of Stella. But in terms of the hipster <laughs> cool edge, it's certainly... Certainly will be um, uh, people that might have read Sunday Style and thought, oh, wow, this magazine's making me feel really old. <laughs> they certainly won't have that reaction when they read Stella. So you talked about um, Stella reaching towards a mass market and you know, pulling in more male audience as well. Um, and you also earlier mentioned that it's quite the first issue has a lot of women speaking and a lot of women-focused centric articles mm. with a first issue if if that is something that you're aiming for that mass audience isn't that something that you would you would have been conscious of of getting more you know male stories in as well so having daniel a good ricardo, mm. daniel ricardo is oh, in yeah. there but come on he's an eye candy for women as well <laughs> <laughs> well that, well that's great well the, i, I yeah, it's so interesting, this discussion of the uh, male versus female demographic. And this did mm -hmm. come up a lot in you know, my previous endeavour, which was Rendezvous, and uh, was staffed by women and obviously um, had a lot of female writers. Mm -hmm. But, you know, our readership en ended up at about 50-50. So that's trafficking in about 50% male, 50% female. So I always think, you know, it's a little bit of a furphy that we talk uh, a lot about, you know, women's content and I've been, um, you know, Rendezvous was targeted in an article in The Guardian last year where, you know, they talk about um, 
you know, that it, it used to be the women's pages and now, you know, it's sort of like the, the pink room. And I was thinking, there is nothing pink about rendezvous. <laughs> I think that says more about the prejudice of the people that make those observations, that they think that we're being cordoned off into women's products. I mean, at Rendezvous, we were just writing and they're still continuing to do so. What interests us and if that happens to be a lot of women that are making the decisions, so what? I mean, no one sits around saying the sports pages are wedging men and stereotyping men. I mean, they're just there. They happen <laughs> to be produced overwhelmingly by men, but men and women both read them. I think it's the same thing here. Um, when you say Daniel Ricardo, for instance, I think that's something that is definitely appealing to a lot of male readers, but it's not like it's alienating to, to uh, female readers. And I, I think that's the same for a lot of our product. We will be having men, for instance, in the fashion pages. Our beauty page in the first issue is uh, about like the gender blurring fragrances. And of course, it's Father's Day very soon. So we have <laughs> uh, Father's Day travel page. So there is a lot of content there that talks to me. But also Andrew Rule is a contributor in the first issue and he's written a very long feature about the gangster wives and of course Andrew mm-hmm. Rule's got a very uh, solid male following so uh, there certainly will be a lot from that first issue onwards and certainly obviously I can't give away too many specific details I'm sorry about what's coming up but I can certainly tell you that there are uh, some long features including cover stories coming up over the, the next few weeks that will definitely be very appealing to both a male and a female demographic. Are you going to write at all for this or will you just be sort of editing? And, uh, you know, because no. you're a very prolific um, writer, oh, um, Sarah. I mean, that's why you, I think one of the reasons, because newspapers, are, sure, it's quality, but quantity yeah. is important, isn't it? Yeah, when you, yes. When yeah. you, so <laughs> exactly. you, you really shine in that area as well. well so The upward curve on her lip just dropped down when you said, oh, are you going to be writing? <laughs> I thought, I, I've got it. That, that exact. I have to tell you, the first thing I did mm. when I accepted this job was fire myself as a <laughs> really? columnist. I was like, "Get rid of that girl." Um, n- not Which was because probably a part of relief too, was it? It was. Deadlines. I, I just can be a bit. It's been. It's. It is a little bit. Um, crazy and uh, obviously you know all of us in the media are all being torn in a, a million different mm. directions mm. and uh, you know I'm not going to get the violin and start <laughs> saying oh it's me I've been working 14 hours a day but I, I I think you know without drowning in self-pity it is just a realistic admission to say there is only so much that I can do. Um, Chris Dorr, the editor of the Daily Telegraph, um, when I told him that um, I would be stepping away uh, from my role at the Daily Telegraph and um, as editor of Rendezvous to become editor-in-chief of Stella, he did say, will you continue to do a column for the Daily Telegraph? Uh, And I was like, well, I could maybe do once a month. So I've moved away from once a week (laughs) to once a fortnight. Now I'm once a month and I'm really making myself stick to that just to keep that in there because you obviously you do connect with the readers and the readers do check in what's happening and I just I love having that format and obviously do do a lot of um, you know commentating on 
on, you know, the Today Show and the Project and other shows like that. So it is nice. Obviously, I have a lot of strong views on a lot of issues, and it is nice to have that platform where you can talk about that separate to the magazine, which is very much its own entity, and certainly anything that I edit. Um, obviously, it's got a, a bits of you, and you can see your character, and I think that you look at the cover line of the first issue, and, uh, you know, people that have looked at it have gone, oh, I can tell you wrote that. You know, there's a certain tone, but the, obviously Stella is not in anyone's person, um, you know, image, and so it is nice to have that little outlet. So I won't be appearing as a columnist no. in Stella, but I will still be doing a monthly column for the Daily Telegraph, and I do have my little Ed's letter, James. So I get to <laughs> I get to do a little bit of writing there. I was there. just about to say it's not all over. You've still got the editor's letter. Exactly. It was a long Ed's letter. I bang on sometimes about long Ed's letters. I just think oh. no, it's people don't short. read them unless it's no. short and pithy. You know? It's just a little Very column short. on the right hand side of the page. It's exactly. Not long. Well done. Yeah, I think it, I think it's about 160 okay. words. Yeah. So That's it's exactly. hopefully hopefully <laughs> all look, those emotions. Exactly. <laughs> Hopefully people will stay with me to the end of that. Right, okay. Um, talking about, again, going back to the mass audience, you just said mm. that you're trying to appeal to a younger audience as well. Um, a lot, there's a lot of conversation about young youngsters not picking up the magazine or any print mm. products anymore and, you know, just going to different digital websites or apps for their news and mm. for their long-form reading and stuff. So in that in such a market, how are you planning to appeal to that 25-year-old to pick up mm. Stella or to buy that Sunday paper in order to read Stella? Yeah. Because Sunday Style had an app as well, but like you said, it's still skewed to an older audience. Yes, that's right. Look, I think um, it's it's so fascinating to me um, when you do talk to younger people and, you know, I was talking to my uh, niece nine, who's 19 years old and, you know, she just doesn't read any magazines at all, and I, I just so find really got to explain to her when I you say do. magazine like, editor, she's going, "What's that?" And it's like, made of paper. It's Are you familiar with paper? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It's away from a screen. Um, it's it's such a good point, and I think that is probably in a lot of ways what the gift is of. Um, a NIM is that it is coming inside a, a paper that is in obviously a lot of households. I mean, it's uh, inside, you know, 2.3 million readers have access to those three papers. So it's a lot of teenagers, a lot of potentially disinterested young 20-somethings that are still, as we all know, still living with mum and dad because they can't afford to pay their own rent. And, um, well, well, that could be. Uh, and there's certainly um, a lot of potential for them to stumble upon a magazine in that. So I know um, anecdotally that there are a lot of, you know, young teenagers and 20-somethings that do read these magazines because, you know, their parents have got the newspaper. And I actually think it's a good way to get a little bit of that magazine passion instilled in younger people. As for how Stella is specifically targeting that, we will be having, uh, you know, still your people like Kylie Jenner, Gigi Hadid mm. popping up in the magazine, certainly in the fashion pages. Um, we've uh, primarily been using celebrities for the fashion shoots um, right through for the next few months. And, um, you know, unlike me, the fashion team is incredibly hip and incredibly cool. And they have done uh, like some very cutting edge, you know, high fashion 
fashion shoots, including a lot of, uh, you know, very popular young Australians. So, I mean, they, they are fashion shoots that would hold their own against anything that's produced in Australia. I mean, you know, the acting fashion directors from Harper's Bazaar. So, you know, they really are the best of the best. And there will be a lot of content there that continues to talk to those young readers. So I just hope that they accidentally stumble upon a magazine in their parents' living room, all the better if it's Stella, and that they uh, they realise that the beauty of magazines is not just all happening online. <laughs> this can be a harsh business. I'm sure we've all had magazines we loved that just couldn't find a business model that worked for them and they had to close. Mm. How will you be judged on the success of Stella, I can think of ad revenue as an obvious yes. one, yeah. and maybe I don't know. The, the magazine has another purpose of pulling people in to buy buy yes. the newspaper. Is that yeah, look, that's a very it? astute observation, and uh, I think that's certainly core to the expectations surrounding Stella. The Sunday readership is so huge in Australia, and uh, you know, obviously. Um, a lot of us, and certainly within the media, fall into this trap very quick to talk down our own industry. And there's lots of talk about declining circulation. When you look at the the amount of Sunday newspapers that are sold in Australia, it's still a staggering figure. It's well and above you know any other format. And if you look at the three papers that play host to Stella, so the Sunday Mail, the Sunday Herald Sun, and the Sunday Telegraph, like I said, it's 2.9 million readers. Really, if we look at other mediums, uh, you know, look at TV, I mean, outside of the Olympics and State of Origin, you, you just mm. don't see those sorts sure. of numbers anymore. Um, so I think the idea that the company has made a serious investment talks a lot to the fact that there's still a really solid... Um, tradition in this country to buy a paper on Sunday. And yes, I work for News Corp Australia, so you'd expect me to say this, but the facts do bear it out. They are actually, the consumers are buying a News Corp Australia paper on Sunday. So really, it's just about making sure that those readers still feel that there is um, a reason for them to pick up the paper every weekend. And like I say, that's very much been a very clear objective for the company um, in 2016. Stella is very much at the centrepiece of it. So yes, it will certainly be, um, I think the magazine's uh, success will be measured by uh, the, how those three papers continue mm. to perform and absolutely, obviously, commercial um, success. I think they're the two. Yeah, and I guess I think News Corp does research, don't they, into why do you buy this newspaper? Yes. And you'd be hoping Stella's up near Stella the top of those Stella, reasons. Stella, right? Stella, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Speaking about readership and circulation of the Sunday papers, when it comes to the Eastern Board properties of News Corp mm. papers, the readership's actually gone down in the last one, and I think it was down in the previous one as well. So does that put an extra pressure in terms of, you know, insert magazines being the big draw card for mm. readers buying Sunday paper? Is that much on your on top of your mind at all? Well, see, I think it's an, that really cuts to the heart of it. So... Those papers are actually very popular in their own right in mm -hmm. terms of their EGN content. Uh, we, we see that, uh, you know, like last Sunday, for instance, there was the splash about, uh, you know, war veterans and the high suicide rate, and that was done in the Sunday papers and then kick-started that really big national discussion that, you know, went on the Prime Minister actually called a press conference to address it. I mean, that's not unusual for those Sunday papers. So I think their EGN content is, uh, you know... 
a core part of their ongoing success. And then, again, you do have things like Body and Soul and the revamped Escape. So there's a lot of reasons why those Sunday papers are so popular. And I think with Stella, it's really just about making sure that the magazine is delivering far and above what anyone else is doing in that world of the insert magazines. Um, so, yes, I mean, I wouldn't lie. I definitely feel a lot of pressure. And, you know, if the circulation of those three Sunday papers was suddenly to plummet, obviously I would be very quick to blame it on something else, but I'd have to <laughs> quietly think. Uh, so there's certainly a very tangible thing. But they're, they're, like I said, there are a lot of reasons that those papers are very popular and obviously we'd like to think that will really help boost and maintain that popularity. But they are a big, um, you, you know, complex package of Sunday papers that deliver on a lot of fronts. And, you know, we're really just one of them. When it comes to your readers, the readers in Sydney, totally different to when you go up to Brisbane, the vibe's totally different. You go down to Melbourne again, it's a completely different vibe. Mm. So how do you ensure you um, appeal to those three markets equally? Mm. Like, do you have to make little tweaks and yep. stuff there? Yes. No, great question. And we do. Um, so uh, as you would know, so the, the, the magazine sort of got you three pillars. So you've got your news and entertainment, mm. which is our cover feature, and then all of the other features, and then the columnists, which I can talk to you about a little bit later if you like. Uh, then we've got our lifestyle content and then our third pillar is food. So we've got Donna Hay who's doing a double page masterclass in this first issue but uh, we have Delicious on Sunday. So that's 10 page supplement that's mm -hmm. being created for um, Stella magazine. How many so, pages in your first book? Um, 76 pages in New South Wales and 68 in Queensland and Victoria. We've got a Vogue Fashion Night So, so there's different insert. edits for different markets? It's, or is it mainly just add pages? It's, all the, it's just the VFNO um, inserts affecting pagination. Stop talking all these acronyms. Come on. Sorry, Vogue <laughs> Fashion Night Out. Actually, it's very hard to I say. I say that. VFNO. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a few people stumble over that. I've had EG. Uh, too, which is oh, yes. early general Sorry, news. Sorry, early general right? news. And NIMS was uh, so that, that's newspaper you, yes, yes. I, I won't tell you how long I worked at Media Week before I, just, I knew what NIMS meant. Oh, I, I just never dawned on it. I've <laughs> sat in so many um, meetings in the last seven weeks and people have been there with acronyms and I'm like, what on earth is that? And then, of course, some of them aren't even mm. industry specific. Well, good on you for asking. I've been pretending to go, oh, yes, really. Oh, no, don't worry. I Googled one the other day. I was like, what? on earth was that so sorry oh sorry, my so back to the states, I yeah. do apologize for my acronym no, say that makes me feel better <laughs> there you go there's no shame in googling an acronym um so uh in terms of pagination, then the second issue will be 60 pages across mm -hmm. all of the three states. Okay, right. so, uh, so, yes, this was just coming back to um, the answer about plate changes. So Delicious mm -hmm. on Sunday, so this is 10 pages here that runs um, in Stella. And it, it's fantastic. So you can see there's a great team there of celebrity chefs. Matt Preston does a column. And then each of these chefs will be contributing like a weeknight meal planner. Um, which is across the five nights. I think it's great because it gives the magazine 
a bit of longevity. I think that's something that will really, you know, entice people to keep it on their kitchen bench or on their coffee table. Um, but a really exciting thing here is that Woolworths have also brought into Delicious on Sunday. So it's obviously such a commercially appealing proposition. But, you know, for me as editor-in-chief, just such a great opportunity to be incorporating Delicious on Sundays. Obviously, Kerry McCullum is the editor-in-chief of the Delicious brand. So she has a team and she is overseeing this content in Stella. So I, I think it really does give us um, a, like a really big added value and certainly, again, a big point of difference from other magazines but there are um, reviews and news uh, local news in this and we will be changing that for each of the states so there will be a a state specific page in Queensland in Victoria and in New South Wales so in terms of local sensibilities we will be tailoring for that but again having worked on a national site for the last 18 months I think when you just focusing on storytelling and interesting characters that, uh, you know, content is a lot more universal when you're really letting the narrative do the work. Um, And so we have, for instance, uh, we're profiling a very well-known sports person in one of our first few issues and uh, a writer from the Sunday Mail in Brisbane is writing that for me and I was just talking to her and saying so yeah this is someone that doesn't have that immediate first name superstar status in Victoria and New South Wales that they do in Queensland so just make sure that the assumed knowledge is not too high and that you're making sure that that person translates to the other states. So we just have those discussions with our, our readers so that anyone that has been writing for, for, with our writers, sorry, that anyone that has been writing for one specific masthead understands this is Eastern Seaboard. It's quite broad and that you really find the universal hook and go for it. Mm. And so when you get the delicious on Sunday section seems to be quite an exciting proposition for the reader of Stella. Obviously, delicious being a big brand on its own. Once Mm. you get the copy from Carrie McKellum, you know, once she submits it, do you you even bother going over it? Yes, so she's got a whole team here. So there's Mm. four people and they are working solely on delicious on Sunday as its own entity. So it's all original content for us. Well, I guess and she was then, asking, do you get to edit that or does that just go no, in? And they, they have their own team, yeah. so I so look at it. So that's just like finished pages virtually. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it is, which is great. Um, but obviously we do look at it and mm-hmm. we come together once a week for pagination, which is when you know we go through the whole issue. And um, it was funny because that actually happened yesterday. It felt a little <laughs> bit like... Did anyone ever remember the first episode of The Brady Bunch? I've, I saw it on, um, you know, one of those rerun cable networks a few years ago. And it's so like when, you know, all the stepkids meet. Oh, yeah. And I felt a bit like that with me and Kerry. <laughs> like we were sort of, you know, they're like the kind of mum and dad go, oh, hi, have you met so-and-so? And it was just very funny because, you know, we're all in this together. We're all part of the broader Stella family and we hadn't actually met. So it was everyone I'm very pleased to report got along very well. So, no, they are actually very much their own entity mm-hmm. um, but we are across and we will be having planning meetings and certainly um, you know I, I mean there was like a tiny little note that I had on their first cover and that I just relayed that to the team down there and said this is a thought and they took it on board and incorporated it so you know we'll be quite collaborative in that way.
The, so you're into your cycle now because you've had a little while to work on the first issue but yes. and now you're into your weekly uh, routine. Yes. So you need to work still a fair way in advance, I'm guessing, yeah? Yeah. Oh, look, I, I like to work a lot in advance and I think when um, uh, Stella's very ambitious in terms of the calibre of people that we're seeking to feature mm-hmm. in the magazine, so we have had... Yeah, obviously lots of people approaching you with um, people that might have worked as a cover on Sunday Style or, or some of the other inserts um, around Australia and we're just like, look, that's just nowhere near the calibre that we would expect for Stella mm-hmm. Cover. When you're looking at, you know, big A-list names in Australia and internationally, you really do have to plan ahead. Um, so we, we actually have... I have a document um, that is actually going up to next year in terms of big ambitious things and some issue planning and we're already looking at you know like our big Christmas entertaining issue and our Christmas gifting issue and our party season obviously you know our spring carnival all of that content we're working in advance and then in terms of the um micromanaging getting down to the wire I also like to have an element of news value to it which you you have to be a little bit um open to change so for instance in the first issue um we asked uh, a freelance contributor Angela Mullard to look into we'd heard that there was a little bit of an influx of young women uh signing up to be nuns and young men entering the priesthood, which seems a bit counterintuitive. You know, we live in this sort of Kardashian era. <laughs> Obviously, the church has been rocked by scandals, and, you know, the Royal Commission. It, it would seem, um, is this really happening? And I said to her, if there's any way you can get this, I'd love it for the first issue. And she went and she found people and she spoke to experts and we've got that feature in the first mm-hmm. issue. Now, that was what I would call a late drop-in. Mm-hmm. And that was very much, I guess, me wearing my newspaper hat that this was good and, and that we had to sort of make a late change to accommodate that. So I think we'll try to maintain that news value while still very much the feature magazine part of us is, is planning weeks, if not months, in advance. Now, I'm looking at the rough here and I apologize if it's just a misplace of um, pages but when I go back to the back of the book it's a flip book yes so it's a reverse flip so this is uh, Carnival Cruises have brought in this reverse flip on our first issue so um, obviously very excited about that like from a commercial perspective um, the quality of the stock on Stella is almost double um, the the um, uh, the weight of the stock on Sunday Style so that's led us uh, given us a lot more scope for various integrations and commercial partnerships for instance we can do a gatefold on Stella magazine and there is a lot of potential for reverse flips so we're very excited that Someone took us up on that for our very first issue. So, yes, um, that's right. So that, don't worry, it's not a production error. That is <laughs> meant to be that way. You're not looking at the at the front of Stella magazine back to front. Uh, you mentioned before your columnist. Let's talk about that. The crew and I are very interested. How much does a columnist get paid these days? I mean, oh, do you... Now, well, you, you, oh, no, you don't have to give names, but, I mean, and this goes back to your work at Rendezvous, I yes. guess. Do you... Do you like to have like a flat fee and that's just it so there's no argy-bargy or do you have to really pay regarding to someone's status as a, as a celebrity or a writer? Well, I think the most important thing for me is that it is important that you pay your columnists because obviously this is... Not everyone a, does. No, they don't, no. Um, and they... 
there is a bit of a cultural thing that's crept in probably from opinion pay, pay pages where you, you're just lucky to be published, mm. you feel strongly about an issue. Um, I certainly with Rendezvous did fight hard that we would be paying our contributors and certainly at Stella obviously we do too. Um, and the, in terms of the hierarchy, it's, it's pretty... Um, uh, standard. I mean, we it's are very lucky. We we are very for high caliber um, columnists. So the first uh, issue will be Carrie Bickmore, okay. and then the rest of our roster is David Campbell, um, obviously very uh, popular Channel Nine presenter. Uh, he's done some writing for me. Rendezvous always was super super popular with the readers. Um, Kate Langbrook. And Joe Hildebrand. So we'll have those four columnists, and they'll be uh, rotating on um, a monthly roster. And I, I don't think any of them would have any complaints about what they're being paid. And certainly, from our perspective, um, really, uh, you know, a great roster. A lot of uh, diversity there of different tones, different views, uh, different experiences in life. People living in different cities. I think it really is a good way to showcase the diversity of the columnists. And uh, with Carrie Bickmore, this is the first time she's ever written a column. She okay. um, had been approached several times in the past. Did you do it herself? Yes, she sure yeah. did. Yeah, and, you know, it's really... Um, they're all writing them themselves, which is great. And well, It's not and a weird question, is it? Because no, there's still a bit of ghostwriting goes on, oh, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, it does. Um, no, <laughs> Carrie absolutely wrote this herself. Okay. And I was really... Um, really happy when I first saw it because she's really opened up and given a glimpse into her her home life and certainly um, you know as a mother of two young children myself I really related to it and I think she's really um, been very honest and candid and, and brave because I think all column writing does require an element of bravery and uh, similarly um, David Campbell, who has written um, the second column, that to time with Father's Day. I'm really, genuinely very proud of our roster of columnists. So I think they'll be very popular. Have you worked with columnists or people you tried to recruit and they just were terrible with deadlines or the quality wasn't there? Because it's not easy, is it? No, no, it isn't easy. Look, I would say over my years as an opinion writer that you certainly sometimes take a punt on someone and... Um, they just don't follow through. I think... Sorry, who was that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> names. Um, one thing that's really interesting generally in the world of opinions is that people often think they can pinpoint who would be a good column, columnist or opinion writer from personality. So you know that loudmouth person in the meetings that go, oh, and the thing that was wrong with that, and this is what's wrong with it. And then you say to them, you should write that down. That'd be a really good column. And often it's those people that really tend to go to ground and mm-hmm. retreat. It takes a certain type of person that will actually commit those ideas and those views to paper um, because we do live in a time, we've seen it, especially with social media, where you, you speak out with an opinion and people will come after you. And there is very much on social media a massive you know, pack mentality, a real mob 
um, bullying approach to columnists. So it does take a certain degree of bravery. So I've seen lots of people think they've got an idea and then you know what, they just never materialise on it. Um, and I, we're very happy that these four people know exactly what they're getting into. Uh, also, obviously, um, I protect our columnists. So, you know, that's something that I did very closely when I was opinion editor at the Daily Telegraph and Rendezvous. It is a relationship of trust. And I've seen columnists, um, you know, attacked and, and bullied for, for things. And I always check in with them and I stand by them and if we work on something and we publish something then I've always got their back and uh, I, I would like to think that you know coming into Stella that all of these contributors knew that because um, it's not an easy world I mean again as you know I'm not suggesting we get the violin out for anyone but it, it really is um, a, a difficult time to be an opinion columnist. I think anyone that sort of pops their head up and, and verbalises an opinion is at risk of, you know, getting getting the haters, shouting them down. And so I've great admiration for anyone that does just, it. Just one more on that. You seem to be good at walking that line. I'm guessing you've probably had a few arguments with editors maybe over the years about because a lot of what you've looked after does thrive on controversy and the more out there the better yeah. but I'm guessing you sort of as you say you've got their back and you sort of you know you think look okay we can go too far maybe and risk maybe Absolutely. overdoing it when other people think nah look the more controversy the better yeah actually a little bit of both I mean I certainly have been fortunate in well, that you beat it um, up sometimes. no well I think <laughs> go, I think it goes both ways I would say I've been very fortunate with the editors and the powers that be that I've worked with at News Corp, that I'm not really a yes man or a yes woman. And I will say, look, I, I, you know, I think we should push back or, you know, I, ha I can often be like uh, a sole voice on, mm -hmm. on various issues. Um, so, you know, I'm used to often being, you know, criticised by readers because I might seem, uh, you know, of, of having an unusual view to them. But then, you know, conversely, if I like pop up on Q&A, they'll all come after me because I seem like an unusual voice. So, you know, you can't, you just sort of get howled down all the time for, you know, not sort of fitting a, a cookie cutter size. But I have definitely, there's definitely been columns that I've just said, no, mm. no. Like, I think that they are ugly or that they're bordering on, um, you know, being um, sort of inciting intolerance or, or venom. So I've certainly uh, said no several, several times. But by the same token, I have pushed back and it, there's been a certain view said, I think we need to run this other counter view. I think that is what opinion is for. Uh, I, I honestly say there really is no right or wrong opinion. Um, you know, I might disagree and plenty of people might disagree with me, but if someone says to me, hey, I really disagree with you on paid parental leave, you're wrong, I will say, okay, cool, put it down in writing and I'll publish it. <laughs> I... I, I I just think there's nothing more predictable mm. than having a platform where only one worldview is allowed. And yeah. I would say with, you know, absolute um, conviction that nothing I've ever edited has ever been like that. And when people think that anything I've edited had a, a certain worldview or bias, it's always their bias. <laughs> you know, they'll read one piece and they'll go, oh, this is some big feminist publication or feminist. <laughs> and then the next day they're like, oh, you all hate women there. So that's that's got to do with them. It's never had anything to do with us because I, I definitely pride myself on, you know, a divergence of views and, and voices. Sure. 
That's really interesting stuff. And I know you have to go because you're working on a tight schedule at the moment. But I need to ask you this. In terms of digital, mm. like I mentioned earlier, Sunday Style had a app. They've, yes. They also had a prolific presence on Facebook, Instagram, yes. Twitter. Are you going to be taking over all those four properties? And how is your content going to travel from the pages yes. to online? Yes. Uh, we will. So the Sunday style, um, all of that social media will be transferring across to Stella magazine. So that will start happening um, now as we speak in the days leading up to uh, our first issue on August 28. So we will be maintaining that big Facebook presence, that big Twitter presence, obviously Instagram. Um, I leave that to the younger, more hip people in the office than me <laughs> to take care of. And in terms of um, a website, we actually will have our own website still stellamag.com.au and that will exist um, similar to Rendezvous on the masthead so it's geo-targeted so when you uh, type that in it will take you to your local masthead so if you're like me and you're in Sydney at the Daily Telegraph if you're in Melbourne obviously to the Herald Sun and that that content will be built by our own team because obviously we want to really maintain um, you know that that high premium feel you know good headlines good captions mm. uh, you might have sensed I'm a bit of a control freak I don't know I just heard <laughs> myself then <laughs> and we have no one knocking on the door just yet so I might slip another question through you we talked about all the prolific columnists and contributors you have but um, as an editor-in-chief you're also looking for that fresh voice that can tap into your audience as well mm. so what are you looking for when people are pitching stories to you yeah, look, great question again. Anything that is going to kickstart a bit of a conversation. You know, for me, are the best moments in the office is when something lands on the subs desks and, or, and they all go, oh, yes, that happened to my husband. I, don't, I mean, I would be offended if someone gave me a Botox voucher and someone else says, oh, no, I'd love it. But I'd rather <laughs> that than, you know, some scented candle. And they're all chatting away and it's so authentic. And I'm like, excellent, because that's exactly what we're trying to do is provoke a bit of a reaction and provoke some chatter. So you come with a good, strong idea that's going to ignite conversation, then let's talk. I've got a quick one to end on too. Just tell us about the first cover. Yes. Um, your subject, where did you shoot it? Just a bit of background, a yes. bit of a story. So, uh, our first cover subject is Elle McPherson. Uh, look, it's so hard to decide on a first cover because obviously a lot of people are going to think, well, that's that's what Stella is. And, of course, no single uh, person, even Elle McPherson, can completely encompass everything that a magazine is going to be. Um, but she is obviously an iconic Australian um, who most of us have known on a first-name basis for, you know, mm. 20, 30 years years. Uh, we haven't seen that much of her lately. This is her first uh, sit-down interview in a long time. It is a world exclusive. Um, uh, she is launching a new business venture and we went and shot this in Hayman Island. So um, beautiful location shots um, at, at the resort and obviously it's so quintessentially Australian. I mean, you look at that and you know that that, that was here on, on Australian soil. Beautiful uh, photos, a really great candid interview done by Jordan Baker. Um, I thought Elle uh, was very, very warm, very smart. Uh, obviously, we've all known about her business savvy, but she gives a lot of nice personal insights. So uh, it, for us, it really nails um, all the objectives in that it's obviously a beautiful cover. Uh, I mean, I think all the composition of the, the, 
it's uh, the uh, the framing of it is unusual. You didn't go for a close-up. Was there any debate about that? The, yes. How big she should be on the yeah, cover? There was a lot of debate <laughs> about that, and um, luckily. Uh, um, me and my publisher, Nick Smith, prevailed on that. We felt very strongly that this was an important departure. This is certainly not something you'll be seeing every week. You will see plenty of tight photos. We'll have all sorts of different cover compositions. Um, but I just thought that the the beautiful, you know, the pool, the light, the, the deck, it's just such a gorgeous photo with the greenery in the back. I just felt to close up. There are some amazing close-up photos of Ellie Mishute, and one of them we're running for page inside the magazine so as an alternate cover if you like <laughs> but I just felt for what we're going for which is an element of surprise and um, unexpected but still beautiful I thought that really came very close to perfectly summing it up. <laughs> That's a stunning cover, but Nick Smith also mentioned he wanted Nicole, Nicole Kidman on the cover with Keith Urban, so was he really let down? I mean, that's a stunning, <laughs> stunning cover. When did he say that? <laughs> what? I don't... Oh, I Crudy, what have you done here, Crudy? Controversy. <laughs> We're, we're pretty happy with Elle, but the good thing about Elle McPherson too is she's not polarizing. Like it's actually she's quite really rare yeah. to find. You know, there are other really famous Australians that we will absolutely be featuring on the cover, and we'll be very delighted to do so. But you know, they can create a bit of a divided response. I think for I'll have those fights, you know. <laughs> but I think issue one, I think if you can find someone who um, you know, is interesting, is immediately um, iconic and recognisable, still has an era mm. of mystery about them because they haven't been everywhere lately. I mean, that's a difficult brief. I can't think of many other people outside of Elle that deliver on that. And again, it is beautiful. And I just think, you know, I wanted a front page that I can frame and keep by my desk and look at every day and think that's a beautiful cover. And I honestly think we can do it with so that one. That will be happening in the next week. I'm guessing this will be on your desk, framed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> framed forever. Okay, look, we're just about to get booted out of here, I think. Um, get out. Use Corp's not the general place it used to be. Just come in, walk in by yourself. <laughs> no, just no. wave the security, walk right through you when, you know. But, yeah, it's, it's a different world these days. But, look, uh, great getting here talking to you. Good luck with the first Thank issue, so Sarah. We'll James. look out for you on Thanks the media circuit. I'm sure you'll be out there spruiking it. Yes. You're, you're doing a you very good job <laughs> as a salesperson, and, and I hope they take you along to big uh, presentations to clients because um, I feel like right now to check too after sitting here. Oh, know. great. I'll just take you around <laughs> to our sales department on the way out. <laughs> to, the, to the cash register. Okay, thanks very much. Thank you both.